Well, good morning. There's a very intentional reason why we showed that this morning, and part of that is if you hadn't been here over the last three weeks, we may not know this, but we've been talking about money. And uh, one of the most frustrating things that can happen is uh, you come, you hear one or two sermons, you get all gung-ho, and you're like, I'm going to take on the world. And then, like, we never talk about that stuff again, and you're like, I need some more encouragement. I don't know what I'm doing. So over the three weeks, I challenged you uh, to track your giving for two months. I said, give something to something that breaks your heart. That's what I said. Just give something. Percentage, you decide before, give it for two months. And then this last week, we said, hey, track your spending for two months. Okay, that's what we said. Track your spending for two months. And the beauty about tracking your spending is I didn't tell you to change your spending habits. <laughs> I just said track your spending for two months. Now, some of you heard me say tra- change your spending. That's not what I said. All right, I said track your spending, not change your spending. And the cool thing is this class is going to end up being two months from this series. It's going to be at the end of January, and so if some of you are on this journey where you're going to give some and you're going to track, that, this Financial Peace University is going to arrive right at the end of those challenges. And basically what this course is set up, and a lot of you have experienced it or have heard about it, but it's basically just helping you take a category of finances and put some peace into it with some budgets and some plans and some understandings and some wisdom And to hope this be something that does not steal your heart, but ends up being a way that God would prove his faithfulness and allow you to see him move and to trust him in greater ways and to be the generous, life-giving, full-life, blessed-to-bless people that we were deciding to be. And that's our five-year plan here at Kingsway, as over the next five years, we want to see healthy people with their finances. So... The cool thing about this class, and I'm just going to run through these details really quick. For some of you out here, you're really paying attention, and I'm really, I'm hoping you're tuning in. It is $50 to take that class. It is normally $100, but we're already invested as a church to say we want to cut that price in half. And here's the even cooler thing. For the first five couples that sign up, that $50 that you pay in, it will be refunded to you at the end if you complete the course. Eight to nine weeks, if you made it, eight to nine, you'll get the money back. It is 100% us just saying, go for it. Go for it. It's this easy to sign up. You go to kingswaymo.com, and you go to events. You click on the financial peace class. You can register right now. I give you permission. Register right now. You can do it. And here's even the cooler thing, because we want to invest in young families. If you've been married in the last year, we're going to offer that same deal for you. You pay $50 up front, you get your money back if you complete the course. If you're engaged to be married in the next six months, we offer the same thing to you. All right? 50 bucks up front, you'll get the money on the backside back. We just want you to have a chance to have some tools in your hand. Sound good? We don't just talk about money. We don't want to just hit it and leave it away. We don't want to just run. We, we want you to stick with this stuff. We want to give you tools in your hands. guys paying attention. I appreciate that. Now, here's the fun thing. Over the last three weeks, I gave you a chance to give to one child, gave you a chance to give to one family, and I gave you a chance to build one church. And if you weren't here, you didn't know this. Operation Christmas Child, one of our mission partners in a faraway place, and then a church that we're actually partnering with a team to build in Africa this last week. You guys gave 76 Operation Christmas Child boxes as double from last year. Amazing. Thank you for writing new stories. 
to our mission partner, you gave over $1,000. Incredible. And to the church, we're on our way to our goal of $3,500. We're at the $1,300 mark right now. But I'm believing that there's some in here that need that chance. And I'll tell you, if you need more information about that, come find me right afterwards if you want to talk a little bit more. There'll be more coming out this week about how we're going to continue to partner with that ministry. But I just want to tell you this. On the eaves of Thanksgiving, thank you for your generosity and for the sowing of new stories. It was so fun to drop those boxes off on Monday and to see the faces the people are taking them, and them to say, have you heard the full cycle stories? And I'm going, no. I'm, I'm going, what is it? And they have all these stories on Samaritan's Purse's website of people that have received these gifts as children that now work for this organization. You're writing new stories. To the family that you gave them, I'm telling you, it is going to a place that is dark, and you are sowing light. New stories. And to the thought that we're, by, we're building a church to people that are worshiping under a tree that are seeing hundreds, if not thousands, of people come to Christ. You are writing new stories. Thank you. Incredible. Financial peace is there so that we have more stories and opportunities to do that more and more and more. Appreciate your faithfulness. Thank you for letting God use you. It's incredible to see. I'm humbled to be able to serve with you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to turn the corner into what we're going to talk about this morning with the rest of our time. Dear Heavenly Father, we just praise you as the, the giver of all things. That everything we, ha- we own, everything we have in our possession is ultimately a gift from you. And Lord, as stewards of what you have given us, may we be responsible, may we be faithful, may we be humble in the way that we approach it. May we see it as a blessing, may we revel in its joy and, and truly enjoy it, but we may we not hoard it. May we see it as something that can be leveraged well. May we not surrender our hearts to it in fear or out of desire, but Lord, may we surrender our hearts to you and let you move in a greater way. It's your name we pray. Amen. Well, on the eve of Thanksgiving, I want to talk about um, maybe something that some of you have already started to think about. <clears throat> but you haven't maybe put into full thoughts. And this is just a standalone thing, because we're going to have a new series next week uh, through the Gospel of Luke leading up to uh, Christmas, and you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. So come back next week. But today, just to step away, I wanted to do a standalone thing. And today is very intentional, because what is coming up, and you may not be aware of this, is <clears throat> you're going to have uh, Thanksgiving meals over the next week with people you don't like. Have you thought about this? Some of you are laughing. Others of you are sitting next to them. And so you can't laugh. That's a mean Joe. You're going to be forced to be around these people. That they, some of them are under the label of family. Other of them are extended family. Other of them are friends. Friends, loosely, right? Term. And then you get in these situations where uh, the best word that I've heard, I think it's, it's tension, Right? It's just tension. And some of it's not, it's not all bad tension. It's just this tension of uh, maybe a political view or two that's a little different. You know, I saw a great meme this week. If you want Thanksgiving to be silent, just to talk about politics and watch how quiet it gets. Um, maybe, maybe it's uh, some moral choices that have been made in the family over the last few years that have had consequences on everybody. Uh, uh, maybe it's some financial ones 
that there's some strain and you get around these people and you just, you have a hard time looking across the table and not being like, oh my gosh, she's wearing that. Can't believe she'd spend her money on that after what they're in. Maybe it's just knowing that there's going to be that one person there that's going to bring up every little thing that just is a burr under your saddle. I mean, they're just going to bring that subject up immediately and just twist them, and you're going to try to be nice, and it's going to be difficult. Maybe for some of you, it's about the person that's not going to be there this year. But for the first time in a long time, it's hitting you that the holidays is going to be a place of more emptiness than fullness. And for some of you, maybe it's not a finality. Maybe it's just the distance of family that's not going to be able to make it. Or maybe the recognition that once was, what once was a full table is now just a couple. And, and I think why I, I know this is really important is because everything on <laughs> social media and media in general, uh, and maybe even Disney+, Plus. <laughs> Uh, tells us that this is a happy time. This is a joyous time. It's an exciting time. And, and then what we experience and what we feel and how hollow or empty or alone it can be can be one of the biggest challenging, frustrating difficulties to, to just go, this is what I was, thought was going to happen or this is what I remember and this is what I'm experiencing and I feel I feel like I'm missing out. I feel like I'm broken. I feel like this just isn't how it's supposed to be. How many of y'all got sick this week? Is there not sickness going through this town like crazy? All right, raise of hands right now. Someone in your household was sick this week. Just raise your hand. All right, see? Yeah, look around. These are the people's hands not to... to no, put leave them up. Don't handshake these people. All right, y'all need to go out in the lobby. And just stay there. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, serious. It was like an epidemic. All right? Y'all think it was crazy. We're all, it's, it's like finally the first time, you know, you get in your house, you're like, what's going on? I don't know. What's wrong with me? Anybody, when you get sick, do you just feel like the world is ending? I am just an emotional wreck when I get sick. I, I don't know what it is. My wife will attest to this, that I'm one of the worst sick people on the face of the planet. Because I get sick, and it's like every emotion that I have takes over. <clears throat> and so what I think is happening is I'm dying. It's just a little stomach bug, and the toilet's now my friend, but I'm dying. I'm dying on the inside, and there's nothing that can help me. Food that once tasted good tastes bad. My sleep now that once was a gift now is it's a prison, my bed. It holds me. It will not let me go. The things that I would long to do, I have no energy for. I can't go do them again. And see, this is spiral, right? It's just a spiral. Even the TV now feels like punishment. What once was fun now is just this endless recording of the same things that I've watched before. Nobody else is like this. Okay, just, just pretend like you're with me. Now, here's what's funny. As I know that's true about my heart as well. I know that's true about life with me. But it may not be coming at you like Thanksgiving dinner, and it may not be coming at you like sickness, but sometimes we all just get a little discouraged and a little frustrated, a little fearful, maybe just a little anxiety-filled. 
And so I want to read 1 Peter chapter 4, and I want this to be kind of a launching pad to what I want to talk about for a few minutes. And I hope by the end of what I talk about, this message is as encouraging to you as it was to me this week. Because I don't know if you know this, but I preach this to myself, and I hear this most of the time way before you ever do, and it has been massively encouraging to me this week in the midst of sickness and in the midst of upcoming family things that can feel sometimes a little bit more like a burden than a blessing. First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. This is in the ESV, which is a little bit more of a direct translation, but I think it's really cool. Beloved... Uh, this is Peter talking. This is always a, this is a fun way, whenever you see this word, uh, you be loved. That's how you need to read that, right? You be loved, right? It was upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in it so far as to share Christ's suffering that you may be also, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Now, now here's the positive thing. This is such a like, coffee cup answer to trials, isn't it? Like, isn't this just like, you you read that and and it feels so light and fluffy. Like, if you put, like, real things into this, it doesn't work. But when it's just light and fluffy things, you know, you're like, beloved, beloved, don't be surprised. I mean, you can almost, can you feel, like, the lightness of this? Like, it almost makes me, like, go, ew, I don't like it. It doesn't work in the real world. It doesn't. And I mean, even look at the message. And the message is some of the, this is such a fun way to read the Bible. If you've never looked at the message, I've been reading Eugene Peterson's biography, the, the author and translator of the message. Amazing. This is such a cool thing. He wrote this specifically for his church, but then he was like, yeah, the rest of the world needs to share this with it. So I'm going to share this. It's off his pastoral ministry. So this is what the message says. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to conclusions that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is spiritual refining. This is the spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. That last line really just, that's just like the one that I'm like, ah, ow. I don't really like that idea. Can you imagine I'm sick in bed and I'm just feeling terrible and my wife just comes in and goes, don't worry, it's a refining process with glory just around the corner. That's how I pictured it this week. I'm like, shut up, Peter. That's like, that's like my thought. Like, I'm like I don't want to hear that. <laughs> like, that's just not my mindset at all. Um, and, and, and at first, I mean, this really is like a passage that I want you to think about. Like, it's a sense of like, this is so true, but it is something that we do pretty quickly. Uh, do you guys know that theology is your understanding of God? That's, anytime somebody says theology, it's your understanding of God. That's the simplest way that you can understand what theology is. And theology means that you have a mindset and an understanding of who God is, how he acts, and what he, what he acts like. And so this verse actually does a really good job of, of helping you go, hey, get your theology right, right? But it does a good job of saying this, don't jump to conclusions. Uh, this, is a, the very, this is a way of just saying, don't assume, right? Uh, God isn't on the job. I mean, that's just like one of those, like, uh, you can't see him, you don't know he's at work because uh, you can't see him type thing. Don't do that. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced, what you're going through. It's not unique to you. And in fact, 
Why this is so important is because I love to use what I misinterpret or what I get bad theology of what I think God is up to as to the ability to jump to conclusions. In fact, I would say this. The number one thing that Peter is saying right here is this. Stay where you are and don't jump to decisions. Stay where you are and don't jump to decisions. I wish that sounded better when I read it about difficult things, hardships, struggles. Because this, to me, is the opposite of my natural reaction. Uh, My natural reaction is either to fight it or run from it, right? It's either to be like, get off me, or to get away, and then I will do whatever it takes, (laughs) decision-wise, to do that. When really, Peter is saying, no, these difficult times are actually a process. And if you stop the process, or you run away from the process, or you miss what God is up to in the process, you'll jump to some decisions in that that can affect your life. How many of you guys guys that are married in here have been unhappy in your marriage sometimes? Raise your hand. Some of y'all are like, oh yeah, don't do that. All right? Don't do that. You know, you just had one of those seasons, one of those seasons financially, one of those seasons job-wise, one of those seasons health-wise, one of those seasons just family-wise. Her mom, his mom was just, ooh, and you're done. And in the midst of that, you could have jumped to some decisions. I mean, we all have somebody in here that we know that probably rushed a decision like that in an unhappy place that led to some fractures that now make Thanksgiving a little bit more difficult. Or maybe even multiple Thanksgivings have to happen. And it's amazing how financially this can be the same way. You get in a little bit of a pickle and rather than sitting in that tension and re-examining some things, you, you just, just put it on the car. Or maybe personally you come up against something and you compromise. Rather than sitting and reflecting and dealing with who you really are, you just choose to ignore it or press away and you just jump to conclusions. Get out of it. In the end, uh, I think the chapter 4, verse 19 kind of reveals where Peter's going with this whole thought. And if you skip down to verse 19, this is what it says. Uh, so if you find yourself, if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in stride. Take it in stride. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. And he'll keep on doing it. He knows what he's doing. Keep on doing it. Now, here's the beauty and what Peter is trying to drive home. He's basically just saying this, uh, why don't you calm down a little and trust God a little more? Uh, you stop panicking. Stop freaking. I know, I know it's hard right now, and, and I know this is really, really challenging, and this is not what you, this is not ideal, and not all these choices were yours, but calm down a little bit and trust God a little more. 
Now, I know uh, when I read this for you in the message, it came across light and fluffy, and Peter's just kind of right around the corner, right? We're going to come back to that in a second, but I think there's a reason why Peter is making this feel so light. I think that God is with you in your struggles, and it's not because God doesn't sympathize with you or have compassion on you when you're having heartache, and it's not that God doesn't think that your problems are weighty and difficult. That is not what Peter's mindset is. He's trying to get you to remember the equation for your difficulties. And what I mean by that is found in John chapter 5. And I know for some of you, you're like, John chapter 5, didn't we just study John chapter 5? And the answer is yes. Who remembers it? Do we have a test? Anything we're saying once, most of the times we're saying a couple times, and the Bible's worth saying a lot of times. John chapter 5, we find a guy that's by a pool. He's been there for 38 years waiting to be healed of his paralyzed legs. And he's never made it into this pool that they say heals. He's never been able to make it. And Jesus walks up to this guy and he says this. And this is where we know when Jesus saw him lying there, he, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. In fact, the verses ahead told us 38 years. And he said this, do you want to get well? Now, remember what we've been talking about in our difficult circumstances, in our struggles Listen to what the man's response is to God's question or to Jesus' question. Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid, which means the paralyzed man, the cripple, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else down, someone else goes down ahead of me. Pause. Jesus asks, do you want to get well? And this man replies with his effort level. feel that? You feel the tension in the sense of your difficulties might be in your own mind created by your own lack of effort or ability? I mean, he's standing in front of the guy that could like, and he's literally telling him, "Uh, do you want to, listen, sir, I've been here for 38 years trying to get well. I have been sitting in this very spot trying to get into that pool first, but I cannot do it. In fact, he even points it out. No one will help me. Can't do it on my own effort. And as if like Jesus is like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus' response is amazing. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the most, the most incredible two words in this entire section is right here, at once. At once. This man didn't have his legs unparalyzed. You, you see the difference here? If the man now all of a sudden has the ability to just use his legs, nothing else is restored. You realize that? If now all of a sudden he's been lying there for 38 years, atrophy has just set into the max, right? There's just all this stuff that is broken down. And now Jesus is like, boom, you can use your legs. It doesn't matter. You know why? Why? 
He would be in rehab. He would be, he would be just where, I mean, think about it. He would be like, hey, get up and walk. And the guy would be like, whoa, yeah, not quite working yet. I mean, it's great and all, but like, I'd love a calf muscle. You see the difference here? He says, get up at once, and he is not healed partially. The problem that has been plaguing him is not healed potentially. It is healed fully and completely in an instant. This is salvation, people. This is salvation in a moment. It's not you getting the key knowledge and getting in the pool first. This is you getting to Jesus and him going, everything is fixed. All of it. Instantly. You're not partially well. You're fully healed. At once. Man was cured and he got up. This is your line. At once healed. Not helped. Healed. And he gets up. <laughs> oh man, right? I mean, this has got to be one of those freaky moments. Did he do a jig? I would do a jig. I mean, come on. If you just got healed, what are you checking on? You're like, oh my gosh, look at this. Look at I can do that. I mean, I don't know what the jig was back then, but I'm just saying, like, I'd be doing something crazy. I'd be doing one of these, you know, because that's how we check our knees. Does everybody else's knees pop when you do that? You're like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There they went, right? I'd probably be doing a ninja kick. I mean, something to express the full healedness. Like, first you're like, whoa, and then you're like, I can jump, I can kick, I can run. Like, at some point you're freaking out. Fully healed at once. And the first thing that happens, do you guys know what happens? It's so sad. Some people that are watching this happen, that have watched this man for 38 years. On the day in which this took place was the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders said to the man, who has, who has been healed? It's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Pause. It's, in the, it's not in the Torah. It's in their human rules. This man's been sitting For 38 years, begging every day, he gets healed, and the first things that the Jesus police are on is he's carrying his mat. Picture this man's face. What is this man's face like? Like, (laughs) oh, you're serious? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this. Like, 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 what, what are we talking about here? Like, I'll do it again, just so you I mean, but this is so, I hope you see yourself in this. He's immediately healed, and he's got new legs. These men ignored him for 38 years, didn't care, a, didn't care a lick about him, didn't help him. But immediately when he's healed, guess what? 
They're enemies now. They're not for him. They don't want to see him succeed. And I don't know if you're new to Kingsway, new to Christ, or you've never accepted Christ, but I think there's a lie that once you get healed, that everything gets easy. It's not the way it works. You get these new legs, you get this fresh at once healing, and you stand upright, and guess what? There's a whole new tier of people just going, get back down. I mean, can you imagine if he just, he looked at him with his mat and he's like, oh yeah, 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 you're right. I'll just, I'll just go lay back down on my mat. He can't even remember Jesus's name. That's how quick this happens. But there's no way, there is no way he's going to go lay back down. No way. No matter how many new enemies, no matter how difficult life is on his feet, there is never going to be a time in the rest of his life where he's going to go, you know what, it was so much easier when I was just laying by the pool. No friends, because they told us that. No one that cared about me. Broken. The rest of his life, no matter how many new enemies and difficulties he comes up against, he's always going to say, what? At least I'm not laying by that pool. At least I'm not back alone by that pool. Paul says it this way about the man's feelings and how we are supposed to respond when we come up against difficult things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18, he says this, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new legs, new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding, new, fresh grace. These are hard times are what? I love this new, this is the message again. Small potatoes, all right? Time you come up against something, guys, small potatoes. Just small potatoes. It keeps going. These hard times are like small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There is far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow, but the things we cannot see now will last forever. He's going like this. Yes, you walk now, but just as you see the suffering around you now, there will be a day when Jesus will make us whole even more. The whole world will be restored. And you and I can even sit around and complain about how if we just had one more pool that we can get in, one more thing that we could get done, one more thing, if that just happened, that'd be the linchpin, or we can rest and say, Jesus, heal. He has, and he will again. At once. Because that's what he offers. And that's what he does. And so it makes sense when we read Peter now, right? I mean, let's just go back and read 1 Peter 4, 12-13 in the message. Listen to this, this verse now. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to conclusions. You were once on the mat! You were once lying down, remember? 
Don't jump to conclusions. God's job, God is not. Uh, don't God is not on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in what the very thick of what Christ experienced. Just imagine that man watching Jesus hang on the cross and going, "Oh my gosh, that's why I can walk." This is the spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. It is not going to be something that you have to watch grow. It is going to be something that God is going to do at once. He's going to heal you. He's going to help you. He's going to show up just like salvation. He is going to be faithful. He's trustworthy. So here's my thought. I love this idea of mantras. <laughs> it's been something that I've been clinging to lately. And I think you might need one over the next coming month or two, or if you're in a difficult time, you may just need something. I will not go lay back down. I will not go lay back down. Though hardships may come, though tensions may rise, though I may feel sick and hurting, I will remember what I have been given. I will remember what I have received. I will say it in my soul till it believes. And I will not lay back down. I won't do it. There is nothing over there that is waiting for me. I am fully healed. These are but small potatoes compared to what God is going to do. He is faithful. I hope over your thanksgiving that you will believe in the salvation that you've received, that it will spill out of your life, that the refining process, that you will stay right where you're at, and that you won't jump to conclusions or decisions, but you will be faithful, that you will pick up your mat, that you will hold to the gospel that you've received, and that you will reflect the love of Christ that has been given to you with grace and forgiveness. His glory is just around the corner. Play with me.